Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, quiet stories and meditations to help you find a little peace at bedtime or anytime. It's been a warm and wonderful week here on the mountain, and even though I am more than ready to have the rain start up again, it's hard to get too upset about this lovely weather. There are chilly nights that are just perfect for sleeping, along with warm afternoons where I can leave all the windows open. Bandit, a small cattle dog mix who is normally the constant companion of one of my neighbors and best friends, is staying with us while his dad is away on a work trip. For years, we've been Bandit's second home, and Bodie is both his closest cousin and favorite playmate. I love the way he just attaches himself to me when he's staying here. Whenever I can't find him, it's because I'm not looking right behind me. It's everything I can do to keep him from following me into the studio. I want to thank Amanda and June for supporting the podcast this week by subscribing to the ad-free version. If you'd like to get the podcast without any ads a day earlier each week, along with some perks to help you sleep, you can get more information on the website at listentosleep.com or by just clicking the link in the show notes. This week's story is another Norse myth by request. Okay, let's take a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth like you're blowing out through a straw. Just letting go of the day, feeling the weight of gravity pulling you deep down into the mattress. Another deep breath in and out. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go, no one to be. This is your time. Quiet time. One more deep breath in with me. And out. If you get tired while I'm telling you a story, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. Balder and the Mistletoe Loki had given up trying to revenge himself upon Thor. The Thunder Lord seemed proof against his tricks. And indeed, nowadays... Loki hated him no more than he did the other gods. He hated some because they always frowned at him, 
he hated others, because they only laughed and jeered. Some he hated for their distrust, and some for their fear. But he hated them all, because they were happy and good and mighty, while he was wretched, bad, and of little might. Yet it was all his own fault that this was so. He might have been an equal with the best of them, if he had not chosen to set himself against everything that was good. He had made them all his enemies, and the more he did to injure them, the more he hated them, which is always the way with evil doers. Loki longed to see them all unhappy. He slunk about in Asgard with a glum face and wrinkled forehead. He dared not meet the eyes of anyone, lest they should read his heart. For he was plotting evil, the greatest of evils, which should bring sorrow to all his enemies at once, and turn Asgard into a land of mourning. The Aesir did not guess the whole truth, yet they felt the bitterness of the thoughts which Loki bore, and whenever in the dark he passed unseen, the gods shuddered as if a breath of evil had blown upon them, and even the flowers drooped before his steps. Now, at this time, Balder the Beautiful had a strange dream. He dreamed that a cloud came before the sun, and all Asgard was dark. He waited for the cloud to drift away and for the sun to smile again. But no, the sun was gone forever, and Balder awoke feeling very sad. The next night, Balder had another dream. This time, he dreamed that it was still dark as before, the flowers were withered, and the gods were growing old. Even Edun's magic apples could not make them young again. And all were weeping and wringing their hands, as though some dreadful thing had happened. Balder awoke, feeling strangely frightened. Yet, he said no word to Nana, his wife, for he did not want to trouble her. When it came night again, Balder slept and dreamed a third dream. 
a still more terrible one than the other two had been. He thought that in the dark, lonely world, there was nothing but a sad voice which cried, The sun is gone. The spring is gone. Joy is gone. For Balder the beautiful is dead, dead, dead. This time, Balder awoke with a cry, and Nana asked him what was the matter. So he had to tell her of his dream, and he was sadly frightened. For in those days, dreams were often sent to folk as messages, and what the gods dreamed usually came true. Nana ran sobbing to Queen Frigg, who was Balder's mother, and told her all the dreadful dream, asking what could be done to prevent it from coming true. Now Balder was Queen Frigg's dearest son. Thor was older and stronger, and more famous for his great deeds. But Frigg loved far better gold-haired Balder. And, indeed, he was the best beloved of all the Aesir, for he was gentle, fair, and wise. And wherever he went, folk grew happy and light-hearted at the very sight of him, just as we do when we catch a glimpse of spring peeping over the hilltop into winterland. So, when Frigg heard of Balder's woeful dream, she was frightened almost out of her wits. He must not die, he shall not die, she cried. He is so dear to all the world, how could there be anything which would hurt him? And then a wonderful thought came to Frigg. I will travel over the world and make all things promise not to injure my boy, she said. Nothing shall pass my notice. I will get the word of everything. So first she went to the gods themselves, gathered on Eda Plain for their morning exercise, and telling them of Balder's dream, she begged them to give the promise. Oh, what a shout arose when they heard her words. Hurt Balder, our Balder, not for the world we promise. The dream is wrong. There is nothing so cruel as to wish harm to Balder the beautiful, they cried. Deep in their hearts, 
they felt a secret fear, which would linger until they should hear that all things had given their promise. What if harm were indeed to come to Balder? The thought was too dreadful. Then Frigg went to see all the beasts who live in field or forest or rocky den. Willingly, they gave their promise never to harm hair of gentle Balder. For he is ever kind to us, they said, and we love him as if he were one of ourselves not with claws or teeth or hoofs or horns will any beast hurt Balder. Next, Frigg spoke to the birds and fishes, reptiles and insects, and all, even the venomous serpents, cried that Balder was their friend and that they would never do aught to hurt his dear body. Not with beak or talon, bite or sting or poison fang, will one of us hurt Balder, they promised. After doing this, the anxious mother traveled over the whole round world, step by step, and from all the things that are, she got the same ready promise never to harm Balder the beautiful. All the trees and plants promised. All the stones and metals. Earth, air, fire, and water. Sun, snow, wind, and rain. And all diseases that men know. Each gave to Frigg the word of promise which she wanted. So at last, footsore and weary, she came back to Asgard with the joyful news that Balder must be safe, for that there was nothing in the world but had promised to be his harmless friend. Then there was rejoicing in Asgard, as if the gods had won one of their great victories over the giants. The noble Asir and the heroes who had died in battle upon the earth and who had come to Valhalla to live happily ever after gathered on Ida Plain to celebrate the love of all nature for Balder. There they invented a famous game, which was to prove how safe he was from the bite of death. They stationed Balder in the midst of them, his face glowing like the sun with the bright light which ever shone from him. And as he stood there, all unarmed and smiling, by turns they tried all sorts of weapons against him. They made as if to beat him with sticks. 
They stoned him with stones. They shot at him with arrows and hurled mighty spears straight at his heart. It was a merry game, and a shout of laughter went up as each stone fell harmless at Baldur's feet. Each stick broke before it touched his shoulders. Each arrow overshot his head, and each spear turned aside. For neither stone nor wood nor flinty arrow point nor barb of iron would break the promise which each had given. Balder was safe with them, just as if he were bewitched. He remained unhurt among the missiles which whizzed about his head and which piled up in a great heap around the charmed spot whereupon he stood. Now, among the crowd that watched these games with such enthusiasm, there was one face that did not smile, one voice that did not rasp itself hoarse with cheering. Loki saw how every one and everything loved Balder, and he was jealous. He was the only creature in all the world that hated Balder and wished for his death. Yet Balder had never done harm to him. But the wicked plan that Loki had been cherishing was almost ripe, and in this poison fruit was the seed of the greatest sorrow that Asgard had ever known. While the others were enjoying their game of love, Loki stole away, unperceived from Ida Plain, with a wig of gray hair, a long gown, and a staff, disguising himself as an old woman. Then he hobbled down Asgard streets, till he came to the palace of Queen Frigg, the mother of Balder. Good day, my lady, quoth the old woman in a cracked voice. What is that noisy crowd doing yonder in the green meadow? I am so deafened by their shouts that I can hardly hear myself think. Who are you, good mother, that you have not heard? said Queen Frigg in surprise. They are shooting at my son Balder. They are proving the word which all things have given me, the promise not to injure my dear son. And that promise will be kept. The old crone pretended to be full of wonder. So now, she cried, do you mean to say that every single thing in the whole world has promised not to hurt your son? 
I can scarce believe it, though, to be sure, he is as fine a fellow as ever I saw. Of course, this flattery pleased Frigg. You say true, mother, she answered proudly. He is a noble son. Yes, everything has promised. That is, everything except one tiny little plant that is not worth mentioning. The old woman's eyes twinkled wickedly. And what is that foolish little plant, my dear? she asked coaxingly. It is the mistletoe that grows in the meadow west of Valhalla. It was too young to promise and too harmless to bother with, answered Frigg carelessly. After this, her questioner hobbled painfully away but as soon as she was out of sight from the queen's palace, she picked up the skirts of her gown and ran as fast as she could to the meadow west of Valhalla. And there, sure enough, as Frigg had said, was a tiny sprig of mistletoe growing on a gnarled oak tree. The false Loki took out a knife, which she carried in some hidden pocket, and cut off the mistletoe very carefully. Then she trimmed and shaped it, so that it was like a little green arrow, pointed at one end, but very slender. <laughs> chuckled the old woman. So you are the only thing in all the world that is too young to make a promise, my little mistletoe. Well, young as you are, you must go on an errand for me today, and maybe you shall bear a message of my love to Balder the Beautiful. Then she hobbled back to Ida Plain, where the merry game was still going on around Balder. Loki quietly passed unnoticed through the crowd, and came close to the elbow of a big dark fellow who was standing lonely outside the circle of weapon throwers. He seemed sad and forgotten, and he hung his head in a pitiful way. It was Hood, the blind brother of Balder. The old woman touched his arm. Why do you not join the game with the others? she asked in her cracked voice. Are you the only one to do your brother no honor? Surely you are big and strong enough to toss a spear with the best of them yonder. Hood touched his sightless eyes. I am blind, he said. Strength I have, 
greater than belongs to most of the Asir, but I cannot see to aim a weapon. Besides, I have no spear to test upon him, yet how gladly would I do honor to dear Balder. And he sighed deeply. It were a pity if I could not at least find you a little stick to throw, said Loki sympathetically. I am only a poor old woman, and of course I have no weapon, but uh, ah, here is a green twig which you can use as an arrow, and I will guide your arm. Hood's dark face lighted up, for he was eager to take his turn in the game. So he thanked her, and grasped eagerly the little arrow which she put into his hand. Loki held him by the arm, and together they stepped into the circle which surrounded Balder. And when it was Hood's turn to throw his weapon, the old woman stood at his elbow and guided his big arm as it hurled the twig of mistletoe towards where Balder stood. Oh, the sad thing that befell. Straight through the air flew the little arrow, straight as magic and Loki's arm could direct it. Straight to Balder's heart it sped, piercing through jerkin and shirt and all, to give its bitter message of Loki's love, as he had said. With a cry, Balder fell forward on the grass, and that was the end of sunshine, and spring, and joy in Asgard. For the dream had come true, and Balder the Beautiful was dead. When the Asir saw what had happened, there was a great shout of fear and horror, and they rushed upon Hud, who had thrown the fatal arrow. What is it? What have I done? asked the poor blind brother, trembling at the tumult which had followed his shot. You have slain Balder, cried the Asir. Wretched Hood, how could you do it? It was the old woman, the evil old woman who stood at my elbow and gave me a little twig to throw, gasped Hood. She must be a witch. Then the Asir scattered over Eda Plain to look for the old woman who had done the evil deed. But she had mysteriously disappeared. It must be Loki said wise Heimdall. It is Loki's last and vilest trick. Oh, my Balder, my 
beautiful boulder, wailed Queen Frigg, throwing herself on the body of her son. If I had only made the mistletoe give me the promise, you would have been saved. It is I who told Loki of the mistletoe, so it is I who have killed you. Oh, my son, my son. But Father Odin was speechless with grief. His sorrow was greater than that of all the others. For he best understood the dreadful misfortune which had befallen Asgard. Already a cloud had come before the sun, so that it would never be bright day again. Already the flowers had begun to fade, and the birds had ceased to sing. And already the Aesir had begun to grow old and joyless, all because the little mistletoe had been too young to give a promise to Queen Frigg. Balder the beautiful is dead, the cry went echoing through all the world, and everywhere there was sorrow at the sound of the Aesir's weeping. Balder's brothers lifted up his beautiful body upon their great war shields and bore him on their shoulders down to the seashore. For, as was the custom in those days, they were going to send him to Hela, the queen of death, with all the things he best had loved in Asgard. And these were, after Nana his wife, his beautiful horse, and his ship, Ringorni. So they placed Balder's body upon the ship, with his horse beside him, and set fire to this wonderful funeral pyre. For by fire was the quickest passage to Hela's kingdom. But when they reached the shore, they found that all the strength of all the Aesir was unable to move Ringorni, Balder's ship, into the water. For it was the largest ship in the world, and it was stranded far up the beach. Even the giants bore no ill will to Balder, said Father Odin. I heard the thunder of their grief, but now shaking the hills. Let us, for this once, bury our hatred of that race and send to Jutenheim for help to move the ship. So they sent a messenger to giantess Hyrokin, the hugest of all the frost people. She was weeping for Balder when the message came. I will go for Balder's sake, she said. Soon she came riding fast upon a giant wolf with a serpent for the bridle. 
and mighty she was, with the strength of forty Asir. She dismounted from her wolf steed and tossed the wriggling reins to one of the men heroes who had followed Balder and the Asir from Valhalla. But he could not hold the beast, and it took four heroes to keep him quiet, which they could only do by throwing him upon the ground and sitting upon him in a row and this mortified them greatly. Then Hyrokin the giantess strode up to the great ship and seized it by the prow. Easily she gave a little pull, and presto, it leaped forward on its rollers with such force that sparks flew from the flint stones underneath and the whole earth trembled. The boat shot into the waves and out toward open sea so swiftly that the Asir were likely to have lost it entirely had not Hyrokin waded out up to her waist and caught it by the stern just in time. Thor was angry at her clumsiness and raised his hammer to punish her. But the other Asir held his arm. She cannot help being so strong, they whispered. She meant to do well. She did not realize how hard she was pulling. This is no time for anger, brother Thor. So Thor spared her life, as indeed he ought for her kindness. Then Balder's body was borne out to the ship and laid upon a pile of beautiful silks and furs and cloth of gold and woven sunbeams, which the dwarfs had wrought. So that this funeral pyre was more grand than anything which had ever been seen. But when Nana, Balder's gentle wife, saw them ready to kindle the flames under this gorgeous bed, she could bear her grief no longer. Her loving heart broke, and they laid her beside him, that they might comfort each other on their journey to Hela. Thor torched the pile gently with his hammer that makes the lightning and the flames burst forth, lighting up the faces of Balder and Nana with a glory. Then they cast upon the fire Balder's war horse to serve his master in the dark country to which he was about to go. The horse was decked with a harness all of gold, with jewels studding the bridle and headstall. Last of all, Odin laid upon the pyre his gift to Balder, Draupnir, the precious ring of gold which the dwarf had made, from which every ninth night there dropped eight other rings as large and brightly golden.
Take this with you, dear son, to Hela's palace, said Odin. And do not forget the friends you leave behind in the now lonely halls of Asgard. Then Hyrokin pushed the great boat out to sea with its bonfire of precious things. And on the beach stood all the Aesir watching it go out of sight, all the Aesir and many besides. For there came to Baldur's funeral great crowds of little dwarfs and multitudes of huge frost giants, all mourning for Baldur the Beautiful. For this one time, they were all friends together, forgetting their quarrels of so many centuries. All of them loved Baldur and were united to do him honor. The great ship moved slowly out to sea, sending up a red fire to color all the heavens. At last, it slid below the horizon softly, as you have often seen the sun set upon the water, leaving a brightness behind to lighten the dark world for a little while. This, indeed, was the sunset for Asgard. The darkness of sorrow came in earnest after the passing of Baldur the Beautiful. But the punishment of Loki was a terrible thing, and that came soon and sore. Good night.